What's up? You're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast on how emerging technologies are transforming the business of fashion and beauty around the world. I'm your host, Amanda Costco. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, I'm sharing a conversation I recorded in the summer with Heather Lipner, who you may remember from an earlier episode of the show. Heather is an artist who has long been experimenting with fashion and augmented reality, and we're going to find out what she's been up to lately. But first, it's time for News Flash. Keeping up with emerging tech trends for retailers just got a whole lot easier with Apple's introduction of object capture. Object capture is a revolutionary new API on macOS. Rather than manually creating 3D models, which can take weeks. Object Capture uses photogrammetry to turn a series of 2D images into photorealistic 3D objects in just minutes. Object Capture makes it easy to turn photos of objects into 3D files that can be viewed in augmented reality. Platforms like Shopify have already unveiled integrations with Apple's Object Capture, signaling the future of product photography is 3D. U.S. tech and retail giant Amazon has begun testing the use of humanoid robots and its fulfillment centers. Digit is a machine created by Agility Robotics. Each Digit robot stands at 5 feet 9 inches tall and can carry up to 35 kilograms. The company has stressed that the robots are meant to assist, not replace, humans in their workforce. Last but not least, luxury footwear brand Manolo Blahnik has unveiled a virtual reality experience that can be viewed on your desktop or computer. The Manolo Blahnik Archives The Craft is a virtual experience that's available on the brand's website and in person in London. It focuses on showcasing eight areas of shoemaking following Blahnik's creative process from sketch to the atelier. We'll put a link in the show notes. As mentioned, my guest today is Heather Lipner. She's the head of product design and creative at Genie AR. Genie enables high quality web AR virtual try-on for e-commerce and in-feed ad experiences to increase sales conversions, reduce return rates, and drive return on ad spend performance. Let's get into it. So Heather, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you and hear you. It's nice to see you too. So last time we spoke, it was about Drosta. I believe you were on a podcast episode explaining to folks what exactly that is. And I always love to reference Drosta and different augmented reality and sort of like the future of fashion presentations. So remind us, for those who don't remember, what Drosta was and how you sort of entered that space. Yeah, I was working in fashion. I had a fashion company and we were known for our prints. They were like very pop culture, collage-like, and it was really popular. And there were many struggles within that business, but one of the things from a kind of business and consumer perspective that I had a challenge with was the demand of this the consumers of constantly wanting something new and the fast fashion that it took to completely reinvent constantly. And I felt towards the end of that company that there's a way to appease consumers by giving them something new but not having to create the physicality of it. 
So Drasta was a t-shirt line that also accompanied an app, an iPhone app. And when you used the app, the graphics that were on the tee had an additional complementary animated layer that would change every week or so. And so basically, like if the t-shirt had like a globe on it, then you would see animated elements on top of it, augmenting it through the iPhone app. Yeah, I loved it. I remember I tried it out. I saw the early videos of it and I saw so many applications and I thought this idea of a t-shirt as a subscription was really innovative and different. So the way that augmented reality can literally augment the experience of wearing our clothes and bring it into this digital realm. So it was something that got me really excited, especially um, early on in the wearables days. And then how have you seen the AR space evolve since then? Yeah, it's funny because I launched that at the same time that Snapchat just launched that first augmented reality filter where the rainbow vomit came out of the mouth. So it was very early on. Um, And so there has been a lot of changes since. I mean, Snap was so good at creating all these really immersive filters and it was mostly on the face um, for a very long time and then Instagram picked it up and um, it just has kind of exploded on the face filter side and it's pretty mature and even beauty brands kind of jumped in on it and started doing makeup and beauty filters and really it's been years of the evolution around virtual try-on for the beauty industry And in the recent year, that's where the change has happened in that it's not just face filters, but you can do body filters, you can do, you can augment tracking to your wrist or your fingers. So the whole entire body now can be tracked and layers of animation and 3D visuals can be surrounded around whatever is being tracked, your body, your wrist, your face. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to say that the face is sort of this really well-mapped space in beauty and tech, as you mentioned, but also just in terms of the computer vision's knowledge of, so that's an eye, that's another eye, that's a nose, that's a mouth, and, and so on. And for that reason, we've had this very successful industry and the body has been less focused on. And I always yeah. thought that was interesting that like we're entering this digital space head first. In a, in a weird way and yeah. um, and bodiless when you look at something like a horizon. I mean, I remember when I was first imagining the augmented reality clothing and I definitely imagined it as like a fully 3D immersive clothing situation. The technology just couldn't handle that at that moment. So it's taken a while. But one thing from a UX perspective, like a user experience perspective, was that when I was doing this Drasta, the arm can only like reach so far in front of you when you're doing a selfie. And so that is the human behavior of moving the camera right in front of your face. So you basically can track what you can see within your arm's reach. And so it makes sense that like that is going to be the most prominent user experience at first. Now Um, that we're doing the body, it does require more technology or the user to stand up. Yeah, and there's also lots of 
technical challenges in terms of how fabric falls on the body and the different drape and things like that. So I know that that's a problem you're looking at at Jeannie, but I just, before we get into that, I'm just curious to know your perspective because after wearables and that early blip of a little bit of AR, there was this whole period in fashion tech leading up to where we are now, which is, you know, again, the explosion of AR and uh, AI as well. But in between there, there was this whole like crypto, NFT, blockchain, digital fashion piece. And I'd love to know how it was from your perspective watching all this unfold. Yeah, I mean, conceptually, I love the idea that the creator basically has rights and selling rights and, you know, the the reselling rights to their art. And I think that that Web3 part of it is really awesome that i'm i'm very much into i think just the idea that there are these digital assets but you can only really see in when you're in a computer or or, you know you're looking at a screen or whatever so all that art you can't really access and so augmented reality is actually the great piece of it to see it in front of you if it's art like a sculpture you can see it in front of you with augmented reality if it's garments you can see it on you and it's not just like stuck in this like computer and so i think that anyone who has been involved in that web3 journey the ownership right is really great and then as the technology expands we just need more ways to basically interact with that art in a way that feels more tactile shopping is becoming more concrete products are becoming more 3d as well and so this is giving it an environment in which to live in so that kind of leads us nicely to talk about genie your website says you're powering web ar tryon and 3d commerce tell me about how you came to this company after your journey at drasta and what the goal is Yeah, so I was still doing Drasta and there was someone at Genie that reached out to me to join the team. And at that time, Genie was really focused on image recognition. So basically using your camera to recognize a 2D or 2.5D, like kind of curved image and then taking that and using it in other technologies such as web AR and then applying any sort of animated graphics on it. There were companies like Eighth Wall that was licensing the technology and it was very early on. And so I was brought on to help develop the web augmented reality portion of it and to take the technology that we had at the building block that was patented and, and then build upon that. And so that's basically what we did. We started off with Slam AR, which is basically the asset right in front of you. You're looking through the camera and it's through the camera and it's in front of you and it tracks to basically the floor, just the space in front of you. And then we also had Marker AR, which was like the image and then the asset, the animated 3D asset would be attached to that physical image. And as we were developing it, we wanted to start moving into newer technologies that haven't really been done yet. And that's where we moved on to the body. His face was already present and there was no other web AR technology that was doing body focused stuff. And so that's when we launched body tracking probably like a year and a half, two years ago. So Genie kind of covers a lot of different industries. You know, you do gaming, you do accessories, furniture, but getting into the body is really addressing that fashion need of, I want to see this on me in real time. Yes. 
and then be able to buy it. We've experienced that, try the lipstick on an AR and then buy the lipstick or choose the lipstick color via AR. This is now allowing us to do that with our clothing. Yeah, and just for another reference, I actually also had another company called Uncovet that was venture backed and it was like a direct to consumer curated marketplace and we sold home goods, we sold fashion and we sold fashion accessories. and. It was really clear to me through that experience what categories sold really well and what categories were really hard to sell on the web. And so like a t-shirt, everybody kind of knows what a t-shirt looks on, on them. But at the same time, you don't know if that color's right. You don't know if you really like that graphic. And so you kind of have to look at it and then guess. There's a lot of guessing. Is that going to look good on me? But especially when you move into dresses, you don't really know if that silhouette is going to look good on you. It's like, is the empire waist right? Is that print right? You know, and so with augmented reality for clothing for the web, basically you get this full preview three-dimensionally on you. So you can turn around and see the garment on you. You can see if that color is right. You can see if that print is working for you. And you can see if the silhouette overall is like something that you like or feel comfortable wearing. And it's really quick to understand, oh yeah, yeah, that's a little bit too bold or that silhouette is just not my style. And it's much easier to look at it on you in real time, your body, than looking at a different model or even a 3D uh, model of somebody else similar to your body. You're just not gonna get that same visceral reaction when seeing it on yourself. And so that's yeah. what we're, we've been focused on is solving that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the idea of like turning the living room into the fitting room, which is something that you have on your website. And I would just love that right now because as you're talking about dresses, I was sharing that before we started start recording, I was sharing that I'm trying to find a bridal shower dress right now. And it's super frustrating because you have to go around to different malls, look for that color swatch and I hope they have it in your size and the malls are packed. The salespeople are busy and... It's just there's a lot of friction in this experience and I would just love something like this to be able to optimize that. I'm reminded of this specific scene in the Jetsons when Judy or Jane was is going to find a dress and it like projects it onto her body so that she can oh, I need, shop. I need to find styles. that clip. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah, gosh, that's I exactly it. what it is. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it's like, it was like this projection type of mapping. The Jetsons had everything right before it was even invented. So <laughs> how does your tool account for size versus style? Like, are we using it to assess style, but you're still going to need to try it on? Or is there size algorithms in there that can help you understand what size you shorter? You know, it's not going to be like the most perfect, like as you imagine situation because you're not feeling the fabric. You can't touch it and you can't see how that feels if it's going to be tight on your body, you know. And so the fit part, I would say, is probably five years down the line to get that as realistic as possible, like as far as like the technology goes in general, um, because it really will require a lot of mimicking of the real world's fabric and how to assess your individual body shape, which is gonna be very precise and different than everybody else's. So I would say that this, as of today, is more about finding the right silhouette, color, and print for yourself. And yeah. then 
generally there'll be other tools to particularly help you with are you a small medium large extra large or what size you are and then you know you'll get that final product and you'll basically understand how it's supposed to look and then will it fit exactly the way you want that is so precise and particular and, and personal as well right it's a very yeah. personal thing I like things very loose fitting some of my friends like them very body hugging and I'm like I feel claustrophobic when I'm in anything body hugging so it's very personal as well and I have this conversation with my dad a lot who's a fit and style expert and has been for 30 years in men's clothing and he's like a machine is never going to be able to predict that according to him because it's so personal yeah I mean I think that where we're at today with genius technology is we can create a lot of base avatars that that the fashion brand designs for so like Mm -hmm. you know because I had that experience doing fashion you you basically you have a fit model that is the measurements that you generally design for and that's usually in the middle like a size medium and then it scales Mm -hmm. down and it scales up so fashion companies like probably skims has a bunch of different body types that are their like base bodies or in our technology world called avatars and Mm -hmm. then we can kind of design the technology around those base bodies and that will work. And so there's definitely steps in getting it to be more precise, but it's going to really depend on the fashion brand and how they design their clothes. Very interesting. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about the sort of end consumer experience of Genie. Your clients are actually brands that want to bring AR experiences to life. So maybe talk us through the business model a little bit. Yeah, so we have basically a tech platform and it starts with the core technology of augmented reality and the different types of augmented reality. And then we have an SDK, so engineers or brands and companies that have their own engineers can either utilize the SDK and then design the front end of it any way that they want. Or we also have a self-service builder. So for any creator, engineer, designer, or even a marketer, they can go into this builder. It's an app, basically just log in, and then you can drop in your 3D assets and they get tracked to whatever augmented reality type that you choose. So if it's a garment, it's a 3D garment, it gets tracked to the body, and you basically just drag and drop it in and make some updates to the setting, and then you can just publish it pretty much immediately and then try on the clothes. So it's super easy drag and drop tool. So are you finding that your clients are coming to you with the 3D assets ready or do they need help generating those? Or are they already designing in 3D and they have that? I would say that it's different for every brand, but most of them need help. Different fashion companies have a different workflow. Sometimes they sketch it with just pen and paper and then it gets automatically sent to a technical designer to then do like the CAD files and Mm -hmm. then prepare it and then basically create the pattern, the fashion pattern, and then do the, you know, original cut and sew samples. And, you know, there's a whole different process. So there might be within that process, some initial 3D files, like CAD files that we can use. And then if not, we basically can take an image and then create that 3D asset from one or more images. So it just kind of depends on what that like what that fashion company has in their pipeline. 
Yeah, so you figure out a way of integrating to their workflow. That's really interesting. As you were talking about it as a drag and drop and web base, I was kind of thinking it's like the Canva of web AR or like the Canva for fashion marketers, merchandisers. Like it's a it's making it very easy to participate in this AR space. Yeah, especially on any 3D file that does not need to be rigged to a body or anything complicated. It's so easy. You can go on Sketchfab, find a 3D asset, drop it in, and then see it right in front of you. Or if you're like a toy designer and you have to create it in 3D, obviously, then you have that file. You can quickly drag and drop it and then see it in front of you. So the tool is super simple to do anything like that. I think it just gets a little bit more complicated when um, you want that garment to mirror like the real world movement. So if you're walking, you want that dress to kind of flow in the way that it does in the real world. And that takes currently a little bit more time of manual work, but it's all possible and we do it on a regular basis. And do you think with AI, eventually that recognizable glitch that happens when you're wearing any type of augmented reality outfit do you think that's going to go away like it feels like ai is advancing pretty quick we went from the face to the body fairly quickly where is the accuracy going to be in in five years i can't help but wonder i mean it's a good question i can only guess really i do think it took a long time to get here especially for, for me that has been doing it for a while ai definitely has been speeding up the creation of 3d models that i assume will be faster as well i think then it just needs to be able to there needs to be a way to then train it to rigged to different body shapes and sizes and so i don't know if i were to guess i guess maybe two years just because it is moving faster now i'm excited for that reality and i'm excited how it ties into the future of eyewear and some of these displays that we're seeing come on the market and i want to talk about that in a minute but the apparel and fashion use cases for genie are the garment try-on which we've talked about but there's also the styling option so you can dress yourself and maybe like flip through a catalog in a different way and then yeah. there's the viral campaigns which are like maybe you don't want to engage in augmented reality for your entire e-commerce store but your flagship pieces as an example yeah so so basically if i start backwards with the viral campaigns if a fashion brand is selling let's say a t-shirt and they want that t-shirt to be shared adding a layer of augmented reality effects to it gives the user another reason to share it so they're like oh that you know, they try it on, you know, let's say it's a 3D model and then they add the effects and they're like, oh, wow, it's tracking with me. This is so cool. I'm going to share it. And then I'm going to send it out and ask my friends, which one do you like better? Do you like this one or that one? And it becomes like an engaging piece of social content. There's that side of it, which is just like kind of cool, new, innovative way to sell fashion. And then there's the trying on of everything from jewelry to glasses to hats, to shoes, to jackets, to every article of clothing. And so, yeah, we're doing that. And one other thing that you didn't mention, but we also are doing ads. So we're doing embedded ads, a virtual try-on, where you don't actually have to leave the display page. Like let's say you're on Vanity Fair and you see an ad that shows a video of someone trying on 
a garment and that says, do you want to try this on? Without leaving the page, you can just hit next and try it on. And then if you're interested, you can go buy it. So now with augmented reality for the web, we can embed that type of augmented reality into web pages inside of a network of ads. I love that because I think that it, again, reduces the friction, but then the black mirror watcher in me is like, well, how long mm-hmm. is it going to be until it's like Minority Report where we're actually being shown ads with us in certain things without even having tried it on? And I, I'm just wondering where consent comes into all of this. I don't think it's a, a question for Jeannie necessarily, but a broader question about AR and avatars and kind of online representation. I mean, I think that through the user flow, there will be points where the user has to accept terms and they opt in they say okay I want to see my face with these glasses on oh cool I know how this works I've done face filters millions of times so they're consenting to see it on their face I think that as far as if you think black mirror somebody if somebody's creating your avatar without your consent there's got to be some settings some privacy settings where whoever is the company that created those avatars needs to let people manage that setting as far as like turning it on or off or deleting themselves from the system and I think that will all be in enforced by the law. It's opening up a whole new legal can of worms. You also have platforms that are free just for the hobbyist who wants to start playing around with augmented reality. And I wanted to mention that as well, because this isn't trying to be something that is just for enterprise, correct? Yeah. I mean, the creators need to basically be able to use our platform freely and test it out and see if they like it. And then they generally have clients and then anything at a commercial level, then they pass that cost over to their client. For, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, they were saying that web AR is definitely growing and they're getting a lot of requests and creators are definitely more interested in the XR side of it because anything that we do for the web, that is, let's say for the like world-based AR, that works on Oculus inside of their browser so that works any game that you create can easily work in xr there's a couple modifications you have to make from the coding perspective but it's not like but the three developing yeah yeah it's not like developing for each platform I like to think that the 3D file is like the JPEG of Web3. So if you have some asset in 3D, then you can do the AR experience, then you can do the VR experience. So we talk all the time, or at least a lot of the talk was about how Web3 has no interoperability yet, and that's the big challenge. But in some ways, like it, it does. We're starting to see that interoperability in terms of the way that uh, 3D files are making their way around. So I'm sure you saw the video of the Apple Vision Pro and we're now all imagining how Apple's new product could possibly catapult mixed reality into the sort of next frontier. And I don't think they showed the use case in their demo video of shopping, but I do see something like this. I'd love to know what your vision is for the future of that. Well, okay, so when it initially launches, there will not be like body tracking. So a person won't be able to like wear the goggles or the headset and then look in the mirror and try things on because there won't be that that technical need yet. But as far as what will happen right away, you know, you'll go to a website, 
you'll see a dress and then you can see it but in 3d by just looking at it you know selecting it moving it into your space and you'll be able to see it at human size when we look at a screen we're really just like looking at it in this kind of miniature version of it and so mm -hmm. when you see it in in full size 3d you'll be able to like move it around inspect it get a better understanding of it and then be able to potentially select an existing avatar that's your size shape and then mm -hmm. see it in front of you walk and model it so that's probably going to be like that first approach for it and then, i think you're and absolutely spot on with that i see that exactly how you described it <laughs> yeah and then what, saw, what were you going to say is after that yeah that's that's the first step i think is just getting people to even see 3d models in front of them which it ha it's not mainstream yet that will be the first step. And then even like for non-fashion items, you know, like I saw the other day someone do like a, a video edit with kitchen goods. And so they put yeah. like on their kitchen, I don't know if you saw that, um, but they put on their kitchen different blenders and they were able to kind of like select the color quickly and choose what looks good. And it's just like all in front of them. And then they hit buy. So instead of looking at these tiny screens, we'll just have a real size, actual size option in front of us where we'll yeah. be able to see all of the elements, the different colors, colorways, it. patterns. Yeah. And place so it. So it's like context aware shopping almost. Yeah, exactly. I'm really excited for that future. I feel like there's so much friction in malls right now. There's so many problems with e-commerce. So I'm really optimistic about augmented reality as an enabling tool in this space. Certainly we've seen it as we've talked about with beauty and with products, but with apparel, I think it's so cool that you're working on this and have continued to find a way to be uh, hacking away at this space. So if people want to learn more about Genie, how should they do so? They should go to genie.ar. That's G-E-E-N-E-E.ar. And then they can contact us there or they can DM us on Instagram or Twitter, whichever way is easiest for that individual. Awesome. I'll put the links in the show notes that everyone can take a look. Heather, thank you so much for your time and congrats on all your great work. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. That was my conversation with Heather Lipner, the head of product design and creative at Genie AR. To learn more about Genie AR and whether or not their AR solutions are right for you, check out the website link in the show notes. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, here's looking towards the future.